This episode of How I Got This Gig is brought to you by Videotwins.com, a great resource full of tips, tricks, and hacks that you can use on your video productions. Plus, you'll also find past episodes of How I Got This Gig right there. Now, if you're getting started in the media industry, or you're thinking about starting your own production company, or you think you want to maybe work in the industry, but you're just not even sure about where to start, how to begin, how does the whole thing work, then I invite you to dive into some of those past episodes because my guests really provide some great and valuable insights on this mysterious media industry. I mean, honestly, if I had access to this information when I was making my choice about, you know, going to film school or where I was going to work or how I was going to get into what sector of the industry, man, it would have saved me a lot of heartache and hassles and stress and probably money. And you'll find all of that at videotwins.com. Okay, so this is the season one finale of How I Got This Gig, so it's going to be a bit of a reflective one. We've got freelance producer and teacher Thomas Learn with us. Thomas has been friends with Berman and I since our days at Nat Geo, and Thomas is kind of at a crossroad in his career, which he'll get into more detail during the episode. But I think he gives a very real, honest, passionate interview about how he sees the current state of the video, television, and film production industry. So let's get into it. Hello, I'm Dean Rainey, and welcome to How I Got This Gig. Man, I can't believe we got 13 episodes in the can. I am having a great time creating the show and talking to so many media professionals. I've really enjoyed our conversations. I've learned things myself, and I've heard some great stories, and I've related to a lot of the other people's experiences, and I hope you've been enjoying what we're doing here as well. If there's something you'd like to see changed, if there's something you'd like us to address, maybe a person you think we should talk to, let us know. You can email me at deanrainey at rainymedia.com. I would love to hear some feedback on all of this as we as we break seasons here and take a little hiatus. It's a, it's a good time to reflect on where this show is going. So this episode, it, we're going to consider it our season one finale. We're going to go on this short hiatus all of us at Rainy Media are gearing up for an extremely all of us at Rainy Media are gearing up for an extremely busy September. We got a lot of jobs, we got a lot of travel coming up. And so I'm going to take a short pause here from the podcast, from the podcast, but we will be back hopefully by the start of October with a whole new slate of great interviews with amazing people from the media industry. But we do want to continue to provide you with useful and helpful insights on our industry, so Berman and I might send a few short audio content pieces your way during this hiatus. I, I just can't help it. I just can't help myself. We may try to do something a little experimental, experimental at least for us. It's kind of like, you know, I don't want to break up, but I do need my space, so I'll kind of be around. Okay, today we have Berman's final interview from Hong Kong, and it's with freelance producer and teacher Thomas Leung. And we love Thomas. We even consider him a video cousin. You know, I'm not sure if you saw the video, but he and I created a 360 Video Twins showcase video all about the new technology that uh, he was getting really into while I was in Hong Kong. And, and in his interview here, he talks a little bit about, you know, how he gets into technology, why he's such a nut, and how he uses it, I guess, as a business strategy, but 
we're not convinced that it's actually working. So a lot of you might want to listen to this interview because you might be thinking, oh, I love to get that new piece of gear. And when I get that new piece of gear, um, I get that new work. I can have a new offering for potential clients and I can bring new clients in with this new technology, but it doesn't always work the way you think it will. And Thomas and Berman discuss that. They also discuss the challenges of finding joy in creating video content as a career which turns out is something that Thomas actually struggles with. It's a very interesting conversation, and it's coming right up. This episode of How I Got This Gig is also brought to you by CanadaVideoCompanies.ca, the easiest way to find a top-rated film and video production company near you. If you need a video produced for your business, and believe me, every business does, then you're going to need a professional production company and the best way to find a professional video production company is CanadaVideoCompanies.ca. Okay, so here we go. This is Berman's conversation with producer and teacher Thomas Lerng. And stick around to the very end because I do have a bit of an update on Thomas. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're here. Yes. In Hong Kong. Yeah. I'm here with my good friend, Thomas Lam. AKA Video Cousin. AKA the Video Cousin, that's right. You guys have, might have seen him in one of our episodes where we're talking about, uh, was it the 360 camera that we talked about? Yes, that's it. With yeah, Dean. that's right. With Dean, yes, that's right. So we've, been, we've worked together for a long time in the past. Yes, back uh, at Fox. Back days. at Fox, right? Before it was Fox, it was uh, National Geographic. Yeah. By the way, just to give our, our viewers or our listeners some context, mm. Thomas is a producer, or at least at the time he was a producer at National Geographic, along with myself and Dean. I don't know if he knows this, but to me personally, I felt like Thomas is one of the most talented producers that I have ever worked with. And uh, I always tell Dean, someday he's going to be producing stuff that's far beyond what we've been doing. And so far, I think he has. <laughs> To a certain, certain extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To a certain, to certain extent. extent yeah. yeah, and where well, are you we'll now? We'll get to that later. We'll, we'll get, get to that, that later. later. So yeah. where are you right now? What are you doing right now? Right now, I'm working for a social media video platform in Hong Kong called Stack. And our main target audience are millennials. And the specific age range is 18 to 24. 18 to 24. Yeah, very, very young content. Right. And... Um, Stuff that I might not be interested in myself, but now I have to produce it. It's a real challenge. Real challenge. That. But apart from that, you also have your own company, isn't that correct? Yeah, I have, I have my own like a production house called Cosmo, and we we do everything from uh, corporate videos to um, last year we did a few 360 video projects. And um, yeah, and basically different viral video campaigns and stuff like that. Right. But since I've got the full-time job, I sort of slow down on the Cosmo side of business and focusing on the full-time job at the moment. But it's still there. It's still there. It's still there. It's still survive. Still survive. Yeah. And you also have a third thing. You you do teach still, right? Yes, yes, yes. So um, I'm, a te- I'm a part-time teacher at... Uh, at a school here called uh, Hong Kong Youth Space, and my subject is called Motion Graphics for Presentation, and it's under a course called New Media and Communication. So my subject teach students um, really, really beginners uh, stuff in creating motion graphics. So I start the 
course by teaching them how basic Photoshop works and how Illustrator works. So at the end, by the end of the twelve weeks course, they can pretty much create like a simple infographics for a certain topic. Yeah. Out of those three jobs that you have, mm. which one do you feel like is the most、uh, enjoyable for you? Which one do you like the most? Uh, each each job got its pros and cons, but if you're talking about sat- satisfaction, it's definitely the the teaching job, because I've been teaching for four years now. Now I've got graduates that actually. So after my course, they will, um, they might get into like uni and do a degree course, and I've actually got students that has graduate. Graduated from unis and now working in the real industry, and seeing them from they don't know anything about the media to where they are now, you really got a sense of wow! I did something. I actually changed someone's lives, and that's more than oh, I made a video. <laughs> that's true. Seriously, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A video goes on, and then you know, yeah, that's it. For you might watch it over and over again on YouTube, and that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> But shaping a person's mind and seeing them succeed is a lifetime、yeah. thing, right? Because where they are, my my students are like、um, early twenties, and it's where anything is possible for them. Yeah. Of course, I won't tell them all the like the nitty gritty tough life in let, the media industry. Let them industry. figure it out. <laughs> and I, I just help them to inspire them and tell them, oh, you might try this and this and that because this is something that you、mm. might not. Be able to hear when you start working in the real company, right? Yeah, that's where you are now. Yes, with the three different jobs, teaching, owning your own company or running your own company, and also、uh, working full time. Yeah, how did it all begin for you? I like. Did you study? Or is it something? Okay, that- back in secondary school, I'm just a regular science stream student. Science. Science. So biology, physics, chemistry, all that, all that jazz. But then.、Um, Towards the end, I'm, I've had enough of all those academic stuff, and then I started, like, fantasizing about the creative industry, and、um, and then I decided to、uh, study abroad. So I actually、um, leave Hong Kong and went to Melbourne, and did a foundation course in art, design, and communication. That's the first time that I have、um, really study in like a design. Environment. What what made you you fantasized about it? But what is、yeah. it? Is it because you love your love for movies, love for television. What was it that made yeah, you? Yeah, just want to create stuff like video stuff. Video stuff. Video stuff. Specifically video, not music. Specifically video. So I remember I was I have to do my like A level. So in Canada, it might be the GCE like the, okay the exam that you need to take to enter uni. So. At the time, I was preparing for my exam, and then, I, I think I, accidentally cracked, got a cracked version of、uh, After Effects and Premiere,、okay. and then I discovered the Alpha Channel, <laughs> and then I started to make animations with it, and then the whole time that I'm supposed to be studying, I was playing with After Effects. I still got that video clip. I can show you. Wow, that video actually got me into uni. Really? <laughs> yeah, I made like a fake、um, movie trailer called Parallel Universe or something. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you had no training before that. It no training. It was just you just playing around with the program. Yes, and I remember back in those days, 
I was addicted to this uh, TV program on um, called Movie Magic, and uh, so it's like a weekly half an hour program about uh, how different areas of um, special effects are created in Hollywood films, and I was so fascinated by it, and um, and that's actually how got how I got me interested in like movie making or creative industry. Um, so apart from this program, Movie Magic, um, I also um, regularly purchase this magazine called Cinefix, and it's actually I have to be honest, I didn't read all the words because I only look at the pictures. <laughs> But back then, remember that's the days, even well, it's the days of DVD. But back then, not a lot of films will have a detailed explanation of. How their visual effects are created, and back in those days, that magazine Cinefix is one of the main source of information. So it was that, like the making of, but in the magazine. Yeah, 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 right. And I remember I was really um, fascinated by all those images of like the green screens and all that stuff, and um, yeah, that got me really interested, and and then I want to try to create it myself. And back then, I I remember that was 1997. Back then, it was the year where Titanic was uh, showing in cinema. Right. Okay. And so that's Hollywood film. That's one. Yeah, that's expected to be um, stunning visuals. But that's also the year that the Hong Kong film called The Storm Riders. Oh, Storm uh, Riders. Yes, I've seen that's that. That's actually the first Hong Kong film that uses uh, computer graphics in a really Good way, not in a crappy way. Yes. Like that guy actually invested a lot of um, budget in all those silicon graphics image stations, and that actually looks really good. And that got me really excited. Oh my god, Hong Kong can actually we have achieved to that level of right. technical abilities. Yeah, I still remember that film. That was yeah. uh, based on one of the most famous Comics. comic books yeah. done by Fun Hong one. Kong. Uh, Graphic uh, artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fong Wan. Fong Wan. I remember back in Toronto, I watched it in theaters. It was so good. It was so popular that they had it in theaters overseas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that me and and that's also the year that that year happened. So many things. I remember it's either 1997 or 98. Ang Lee got an Oscar for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Dragon. That's right. And I said to myself. One day, yeah, I'm gonna get an Oscar. You're gonna get or an Oscar. whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how did your parents? Like you said, you were in the sciences, all that jazz kind of thing. Mm. How did your parents react to, or were they supportive in terms of you suddenly deciding to go into the film and television industry? They're really supportive. They didn't push me into being a doctor or like that kind of stuff. Wow. So they they supported me. So no pressure 100%. from them. No pressure from no them pressure. at all. No pressure. No pressure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you went to Melbourne. You did your studies. Mm. You came back. Was it everything Actually, you expected? Uh, that's that's something happened during the uni days. So my course structure. Uh, okay, I went to Swinburne to do my multimedia design degree, and this course in Swinburne is really nicely designed because they have a year called IBL. IBL. It's called Industrial Based Learning. So you don't just do your school projects. They actually want you to get out and um, do projects in the real world. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that was part of the studies? 
Yes, and actually I got credits for that for oh, doing wow. actual work. Okay. And I remember my video editing teacher got me this gig, which is working for this uh, documentary film about uh, Australian refugees, and the director are actually from Hong Kong. Okay. And so I, this is actually the first time that I actually work in a media. I actually, it's a, it's a really interesting job because the directors got a sponsorship from this um, sound mixing company called Sound Firm, and we got this editing suite that I have to go work every day. I'm the, basically the editing operator, so the directors will sit behind me and give me uh, editing up. Editing uh, directions, and then I use those really old style uh, editing program called HeavyWorks. They actually got a console, and then it's a PC based DOS system, always crash. That kind of yeah. If you look it up, HeavyWorks, you can see the really old style. Um, you ha- you can actually there's like a handle that you can like fast forward and go backwards or go really slow. So it, was it tape to tape or was it a digital thing? It's Okay, the the documentary was shot with mini DV tapes. Okay, and but we were do, we were editing offline. 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 So it was digitized. It was digitized. Right. Okay. And so we, I've been working on this project for like a couple of months. Okay. To stay in and day out, and what's interesting is, so this place is called is actually a sound mixing company which, has a editing suite. And this sound firm company, on the side, they are actually working on really big budget Chinese films like Hero, okay, Ying Hong, right, and the Stephen Chow movie Kung Fu Hustle. Oh, okay. Um, and oh, so many Chang Yi Mao films. While I was editing my Australian refugee documentary. Well, that must have been exciting yeah, for you to know. Every time, every day, I I, I will sneak into the. The mixing theater <laughs> and watched what and they were watch, doing. So where are you now and what are you mixing? And actually, right across our editing suite, the sound effects designer is um, sound designing. You know, in Kung Fu Hustle, the woman has the lion roar. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. every day, <laughs> while I'm editing the Australian refugee. <laughs> Documentary. All I hear is that woman screaming in the, in the <laughs> other room. <laughs> no, but that's the environment that I enjoy working so much. Right. Yeah. And then you came out of the university. Yeah. With a degree. Yeah. What was your thought? You're going to come to Hong Kong, come back to Hong Kong, I assume, and make it into the film industry. Um. Okay. So after I did my internship, um, I. And then I also did. Uh, I work in like a cultural institution in Melbourne, and then I, with all that experience, I come back to Hong Kong, hopefully to get settled. I submitted a lot of resumes and had a few job interviews, but that's not successful. Not successful. Not successful. Was that what you expected, or were you surprised? I didn't expect anything to okay. be honest, because fresh grad, I I have nothing to expect. Right. But. Um, during my fourth year, uh, I made two graduate films. Okay. Uh, animated uh, films. Uh, we can have a link in this podcast. Okay. You can watch it. And what I did when I'm in when I'm finishing the courses, I sent my two graduate films to a lot of international animation festivals, 
and a lot of the film festival like pick them up and then screen them. Oh wow! Okay, they are actually traveling around the world, um, like Melbourne International Film Festival, London, Seoul. Uh, actually, one of the film got into the Tehran, <laughs> yeah, uh, international film festival. But back then, um, the, there's a nuclear crisis, so I didn't go. Oh, you didn't go? Yeah, okay. actually, I really want to go, but no, I'm afraid. Uh, so wait a minute, D- yes. you're telling me you went into film school? It's actually not a film school. It's a design, design. school. So, so but when you I were there, choose... did you learn about camera or did you learn about like? Oh. Basically, they teach you everything. Okay. Um, so they teach you how to make websites, like write action scripts, boring stuff. Okay. And they teach you motion graphics, animation, yep. and there's also the video editing part. Did you ever had to like specialize in anything? I personally specialized in animation. In animation. Yeah. Video. Okay. I just I took the course and yeah, it's okay. I, I learned the basics. But your it's passion okay. was in but the animation. I focus in animation. Uh, and more specific, uh, rotoscope animation. I do frame by frame stuff. So the style that I do is I shoot uh, real live reference and then I draw on top of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't use filters. I, I actually paint every frame. Every and frame. And then do the compositing in After Effects. So when you came back to Hong Kong and started submitting your resume and your mm-hmm. reel, was your goal to find an animation house? Uh, okay. I actually submit my resume to Central, the effects company that did the visual effects for the Storm Riders okay. as a compositor. As a compositor. Because okay. that job is actually, if you if I look at it now, it's actually quite boring because you just draw a mask and that's on it. every frame to like maybe pull out a person. Right. That's the job. That's the job. So what job did you I want to be land? a visual effects artist you want to be a visual effects artist back then okay so what was the first job that you landed okay so so i submitted a lot of films of my films to different film festivals and it got into the ifva hong kong okay uh, which is one of the biggest short film and animation festival that's great and after i win i think i got the the silver award okay that year and after that i got a job interview with uh, iCable one of the pay tv networks Mm -hmm. in hong kong it's uh, online promotion producer. Okay. That's my first job, full-time job full-time. in Hong Kong. And so you were there mm. for how long? I was there for a year and a half. And okay, so what I had to do there was I was focusing, I was responsible for a few channels, the kids channel, uh, the Hollywood movies channel, and the entertainment channel. and. I actually quite enjoy uh, creating promos. So wait, hold on, hold oh. on for a second there. Okay. Creating promos. Yeah. So you went in doing graphics, mm. compositing, and stuff like that. But now you're doing promos. Were you now like, did you now become a producer or? Yes, junior you, producer. Okay, so when you went in, you were a junior producer right away. Mm. So not only were you doing compositing, you're actually creating the whole entire video. Okay, so basically, um, what? In a, working in an online promotion department, you don't create like content, like stories. They, you basically have to promote certain shows. Right. So um, most of the time, I just uh, look at the program or that movie, and we got script writers writing the script for that promo. And then uh, we just lock the shots that we think is appropriate to tell the story. 
and and then um, together we create the graphics to go with the promo. Back then, in my com- in my co- in that TV station, visual pro- junior producer have to create the graphics as well. Okay. Actually, you you create the graphics, you do the editing, and you do the sound mixing, and you do the output. You so do everything by yourself. That was the role of a junior producer. Yes. Which means there was also a producer that was writing the scripts for you. Oh, that is scriptwriter. Oh, so there's a scriptwriter. So back then there was a scriptwriter and yeah. a producer together as a team. Yeah. So every pro- every promo that came out was in- was responsible by two people. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, and you were the junior producer. Mm. And so I basically got the script from yep. the scriptwriter, and then I worked with the scriptwriter on how to make that promo how to develop more interesting program and, and, and visuals and all. So that stuff. okay, but that was just one type of promos. Another type, like special stunts promos, yep. that you have to think of the idea with together brainstorm with the scriptwriter, and then you think of. How to shoot it, how to execute it, and um, yeah. That, did that did you shoot your fun. own stuff at that time? Uh, we have crews, in-house. Oh, you had in-house crews. crews. Yeah. Okay. So you you learn how to direct crews. So were you the one who was directing at that time yeah. then? Yeah. Okay, so you pretty much you did everything. But that was a big learning curve for me because my background at that time was I was animating most of the time. Right. I don't know how to handle crew. Right. I remember during my first shoot, my crew was asking me, so how do you want the light? <laughs> I don't know how to describe what kind of lighting. Just light it. <laughs> I, I don't know. Right. And then after a few shoots, I, I, I learned, oh, you, you want a more contrast low, or you want more daylight feel. Or right. More con- that, then you start to learn the, the special jargons that you talk to the crew and how to direct them. And you want the angle closer, tighter, more headroom, less headroom, right. that kind of stuff. Okay. And That's all that I learned on the job. On the job. And was that the norm in that company or in Hong Kong? Was that the norm of how people learned? Uh, I think not for me because a lot of the people that are working in the... Well, actually not. Because at that time, when I asked my workmates, more senior, where did they study media or stuff like that? Some of them study social science. Okay. So, and I come from multimedia design, so... So you Maybe actually had more I'm experience than that. Not bad, right? In terms of um, the technical training, right? Some people maybe they they study in like a technical school, or maybe some will start from doing PA for TV station. That's actually a lot of how people got into the industry. Start doing PAs or runners, right? Yeah. Okay. So well, it sounds it sounded like a great job. At okay. what point in time did Why you... did I choose to leave? Yes. My... How long did you stay there for before you left? Hun... A year and a half. Year and a half. Okay. What, what irritates me the most is was my executive producer is total Beatles fan. And he wants me to put Beatles song in every promos. Like Valentine's Day special or uh, this drug anti-drug competition promo we want to put the classical music in there just can't stand that musical choice <laughs> it's always and, the Beatles yeah and those oldies the oldies okay always want to put into my promos so you just couldn't stand anymore so you decided actually, I don't want to I don't want to listen to any then, more Beatle music the executive producer like to sit next to me and like fine tune my promos like shot by shot and let's change this shot oh my god thinking back it's so being controlled 
like back then I was still young and I want my creative freedom. Right. So I thought, hmm, maybe I should try working for a more Western company and get a sense of how, like, um, Western style company works. So right. I look it up and then, oh, National Geographic Channel. Maybe I'll give it a shot. I love to watch documentaries, and that's what my next job is. National, and that's where we met. Yes, I remember the first day of National Geographic. It was you. It was just, me. It was just you. In Sitting it on your desk, nobody else was there. <laughs> I think I was right on time, like nine-ish. Yeah, you were always the first one on. I'm always the, the first one there. Yeah, I'm first one there and last one to leave at yeah. times. Yeah, I remember very vividly. And I think I believe I I, I saw your reel because our at that time our creative director Bill McQueen mm. was uh, asking us, you know, other producers what we thought about. Like you know the reels that were being sent in, mm. and yeah, I thought that what you produced was like I think the animation that you showed mm. from your school project yeah. was in there, and I thought yeah, it was yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Cool. So I think that was one of the reasons why we brought you in was was because of the reel that you did in school. Yeah, but then when I International Geographic, I realized I don't really need to make animations. Yes, that is true. <laughs> but the the fact that it was it was the creativity that we we're looking for because at yeah. the end of the day. Editing and all that stuff is technical, right? Yeah, it's the mind and the and the vision that we're looking. But now for. thinking back, I'm a really hands-on guy. If you suddenly ask me, okay, Thomas, you don't need to actually do that stuff. You just tell someone to do that for you. Mm-hmm. It's actually a different thing. It is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I I still I'm still the hands-on guy. I prefer to do it myself. But then. You realize when, as you start to work on project, you realize you can't handle everything by yourself. Like you, you need to, to delegate. delegate. So that's also something I learned along the way. So even though I'm a hands-on guy, I try to delegate. So what were you doing at the National Geographic? So the audience would know. Okay, I'm the producer for Natural Wild. So all the animal shows, I have to think of interesting ways to sell it. Interesting ways. And I write my own script for that, so I can I got full control. Full control. I think I did pretty good because. I use all those things that you use to describe human world and apply that to the animal world. I remember the the first promo that I'm really proud of is called Wild Valentine. So I use how human beings do stuff during Valentine's Day and apply that to animal world. That was so funny. I still find it really. Funny, <laughs> and because most of my reel before was all like Hollywood films, like human beings. Right. But suddenly I got a bunch of like promos with like animals. Right. I think oh my, this really adds a lot, whole new range to my show reel. Right. Yeah. So National Geographic at the time, like we evolved, right? Mm. We brought in new Fox channels and everything. During that period of time, were you always doing National Geographic, or did you put your Actually, hand in other stuff? I was only working. On natural natural wild less than a year, and then my role changed, and I start working for the marketing side of things and responsible for more channels, but not in promoting shows, but promoting, to promoting the like campaigns for a specific channel. Did you enjoy your time at National Geographic? I actually really enjoy. Really my enjoyed time. it. Yeah, but you're no longer there. Yeah. Why is that? Oh. Um, okay, basically, every year, my boss will either be sacked <laughs> or some political reason he will no longer be my boss. So at the end, 
So your bosses kept on changing during your yeah. tenure there. And, and how so many years were you there, though? Five and a half years. Five and a half. How many bosses did you have? Four or five. <laughs> <laughs> so the instability. But did that affect the work that you yeah, were doing? Yeah, of course. All the good points that I gained, I got from this boss, reset. Resets every time. When a new boss comes. So you never got promoted then? Never. <laughs> but the salary raise is pretty good. <laughs> the salary raise was good. So they give you money instead of uh, yeah, promotion. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. So when what was the last straw? Okay. Like when did you decide you had to leave? So um, throughout my time at Fox, all the boss are either in marketing or creative director or creative side of things. But at the end, we got this guy like, look, that specialize in research. Just just look at numbers and ratings and stuff. And all, I, re- I really remember the first thing that he said to me when I'm working on my promos. Hey Thomas, just do regular stuff. Just just put it out there. <laughs> so you didn't really care about the quality? Yeah, just, 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 care. just don't cost too much, don't spend too much time, just make something and just put it on air. Was it because he felt like you need He's to- He's not a creative person. He, he, he don't know. But why did he tell you to do that? Is it because he wanted you to make more promos or because he just... What was the reason for him to tell you to do this? He's not a creative person. Okay. He don't know how to give me directions. Right. <laughs> so all the directions that he can give me is just... Like, just make a simple one and put it on there. And that's it. Don't don't put too much thought into it. Did you do that? No, I didn't. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like an insult. <laughs> It's like an insult. Yeah, so you didn't yeah. feel like that was... <laughs> so it felt like no matter how much effort you put into it, it would not be appreciated because it didn't no, matter. definitely not appreciated. And, and because of that, you decided to leave. I, but then I still spent one year in the company and then that's it. I finished my last campaign and then, and then I move on. You moved on? Yeah. And then where did you move on to? And that's when I started up my own uh, company, Cosmo, and then uh, got teaching on the side. So my, my plan at that time was... Okay, I don't have a full-time job, so I will have teaching as like a stable, income. regular income, but it's just one sem- one subject per semester. And then I will look for um, different freelance projects, and hopefully um, at the beginning it might be slow, and then hopefully the clients will build up. Right. And at the end it did, but most of the clients only repeat maybe two or three times, and then some cheaper company will comes up and then I'll never got that client again. Did you ever regret leaving National Geographic? I think five and a half years in the same company it's it's I think it's enough. I don't think I, I got to learn any more new things. Right. Just So what did you learn moving on to starting your own business? Starting my own business. Okay. I learned but I, I don't think I'm successful at that is you need a you a one man band cannot run your own company because you need someone to constantly find clients okay that person needs to be ongoing just keep finding stuff and that and then another person needs to be working on that specific project you cannot work on a project and then find new clients at the same at the time. same time that's where I fell. So you, that's where you failed. So you had to find one so project you, and you worked on one because, and that's it. Okay. I don't want to work myself too hard. I don't want to like burn myself up. So I usually finish a project and then, hey, and then post on Facebook. Hey, anyone 
needs to create videos, um, yeah, can contact me. Which means you have to wait for a bit yeah, before yeah. another project came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And sometimes, um, what really irritates me is was uh, a client might say, "Hey, Thomas, we have a project. Let's let's talk." And then send me a quotation, blah blah blah. And after I send all the quotations and stuff. Oh, sorry. Our project is postponed. I'll keep in touch, and and usually you never heard yeah. from that person. And that happened for quite frequently. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, I think at the end I usually I think I make more positions rather than actually got getting a project. Well, that's yeah. that's pretty much that's the norm. The reality. That's reality. I remember but working yeah, at an agency. Band, same thing. Spending time pitching. I think you need someone specifically just keep pitching stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating. You put all yeah. this effort into a pitch and then nothing happens. Because when I'm working full time, someone is, was responsible for doing the pitch. Yeah. You know, like for an agency, mm. when I used to work, you know what the, av- the, the the success rate for pitching is? Less than 50, right? You're talking about 15 to 20%. Oh, 15 to 20. Yeah. Yeah. 20% was considered really good. Yeah. So every 10 pitches, you would get two. Right. Yeah. So I think, okay, the first projects that I got was from ex-Fox people when I tell them hey I'm, I've left Fox and then hey if any projects you can contact me I think yeah that's how I start that's how you started yeah, yeah. so you worked on the same stuff but you just worked on it on the outside no 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 because she also left Fox so I was working for her new company oh so an ex-Fox yeah. Uh, employee yes but went to now another she's company working in another company and I work on projects for ah I see I see okay so the contacts from Fox I, I met lots of people from Fox that that moved become, on that moved on and then create their own companies and end up becoming my clients and do you still have those clients now or yeah yeah yeah, yeah? yeah. okay okay so the diff- the most difficult thing about starting your own business is the fact that you have to market constant flow of clients right which is not easy if you're just one person yeah Okay, so now what what would be your ideal working situation? I actually don't mind doing full time teaching. <laughs> you don't mind doing full time teaching, okay? Yeah, the media industry is so tough now, especially in Hong Kong. Okay, let's talk about at the moment that the the job that I'm working now. Right. Okay. Because towards the end, well, I think last year, last couple of years, the there are so many video contents on Facebook. Okay. That are square formats. Square formats? Yeah. Why is that? Okay. Pages that are like BuzzFeed, that are... What attracted me was those cooking videos, you know, Top Shot, and then you see the hands like cooking the food. Those kind of contents are so popular starting a couple of years ago. And I want to make that kind of content. I remember. I remember you reaching out to me asking about that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was... I want to create... I want to do my own testing on hey, what if I create uh, content for uh, different food companies maybe like can help them to sell more uh, cakes and stuff like that so I end up yeah I, I contact my friend um, Vanda mm-hmm. and her husband right. Luca Luca she, yes. they were trying to start this um, bakery thing so I pitched her, hey, how about uh, I make a video for your pies? Yeah. And so you, you get a video and then you can promote your stuff. And then I got content that I can use it as my showreel. Right. And it was a good learning experience. Why is that? What did you learn from that? Because um, 
I actually create a page、um, called homey, homey,、okay. delicious, delicious in Chinese. And my my plan was putting different kinds of food videos, and hopefully get lots and lots of audience like that.、Uh, Taste Mate. It's actually a Facebook page. Okay. And all their food videos have like millions and millions of views. So I I I don't know at that time I don't know how they build up the audience. The audience, right? So I I just created this、um, first episode. Okay. And then、uh, uploaded it to my page and and then I oh and then I thought、mm, maybe the, for the first video I'll buy some Facebook ads and hopefully attract some audience. <laughs> so you did that. You bought Facebook ads. I did. I think I spent like five hundred or Hong Kong、uh, dollars. Hong Kong dollars, and. Actually, the results not that good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Facebook ads sometimes are like deceiving. Yeah, and then、uh, I I remember attracting a lot of like Southeast Asia、uh, audience. Yeah, I did get a lot of views, but how many views did you get on your first video? I can't remember, but it chewed up my marketing budget. You know that five hundred dollars really quickly. So because every day Facebook will tell you how many how much money was spent. And how many organic views、uh, right. have have reached? But yeah, that's the only video I made. I end up making for for that page. Page, <laughs> and that's it. The rest I just shared other food page videos. You know, one thing I remember about you when you were not you, even now, is that you were a big fan of like cameras、mm. and new technology. You always、yeah. had these new little gadget cameras and everything.、Mm. But you were a graphics person. So where did your like? Are you like a, a, a cameraman yourself or something? Or okay, I I love to play with gadgets. I've been a gadget fan since I was young, and I remember back in Nacho, back then slow motion is a luxury. Yes, you remember I bought this Casio Xlim camera. I do. I should. And you shot your colleagues、uh, like kicking a ball or something. I remember. Yeah. Oh, it's Rohit. Yeah, Rohit. Like a short film called Revolution, and back then shooting able to shoot hundred frames per second. It's like wow. <laughs> Even though the resolution is only three hundred twenty times two hundred and forty. Right, not good enough for broadcast. But it looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> so you always been a fan of technology and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was that ever something that kind of pushed you towards what you're doing now? Definitely. So. If you have seen the video twins episode, oh sorry, video cousin. The、episode. video twins episode with you, starring、so、you, video cousin. Starting last year, I start to play with three sixty cameras. Yeah, I start from the you know the free the Ricoh Theta S camera, the you know the beginners entry level, and then I move on to the higher higher grade, the Kodak SP three sixty four K, and end up getting that gig that I have to shoot. In Mil, in Milan. Milan, okay. For that、uh, showroom project, because I was, when when I was full time freelancing, I have to look out look for new products that I can get new clients to attract them to spend time spend spend budget with me. Right. Because the competition of making videos is too 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 high. Too high.、So、Every company is making videos. Every school. Um, graduates, uni graduates are making videos. Well, anybody with an iPhone was making videos. Exactly. So you were so、But、basically. Not everyone can make three sixty videos back then. Back then. And that's a. 
there's a niche market to right. tap into. Which is, it seems like what you're always trying to do is looking for that new thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get ahead of someone, like making VR content and... But then... But it's a losing game though, because there's always something else coming out new. It's a very expensive hobby. Yeah, I, I got really... <laughs> oh, I, I think every gadget that I got in the first month or two, I got, wow, come on, you can do that. Let's, let's, let's discuss some potentials together. And does that potential ever result into business? Maybe only one project. <laughs> and then people, then new models will come up and cheaper and then the other companies will be built with those equipments and then... Okay, so for based on that, mm. for those who are coming out, you know, trying to get into the business and everything, mm. what is the advice that you could provide to them in terms of being, being able, to be, uh, being successful, being successful in this industry? You have to constantly evolve, looking at what the industry needs. Like, if I have a, if my company has a research and development team, I'll probably have have them look at um, developing like augmented reality related stuff right that part needs programming and it's really hot at the moment at the moment moment. like you said the next thing might come up though yeah right so like Oculus Rift yeah when Facebook pays so much buying this company and then suddenly boom HTC Vive so cheap and then resolution is much higher and then Oculus Rift has Invested so much in this VR goggle. So what is what is this? Okay, if if technology like chasing technology is not the key to success, yeah, what do you think is the key to success for you? I'm not a successful one. (laughs) You should probably ask Elon Musk. Okay, let's put this. You're you're working a full time job, so obviously Mm. someone hired you because of something. Yeah, you're teaching because obviously you're qualified to a certain extent, Mm. and you also do have clients coming to you. What is the key ingredient to Thomas Leung that allows him to continue doing what he loves? Multitasking. Multitasking. Yes. So, so it's uh, not the creative. It's not the knowledge of, okay. of graphics. Multitasking. Okay, I'm an octopus with a lot of tentacles. Okay. So if I feel like, like at the moment, I'm feeling a little bit like a dry sponge. Okay. So I'll use my other tentacles, the teaching tentacles. To maybe teach a little bit okay brief a little bit okay get more creative a little bit and then learn some stuff and then at the moment maybe stop working full-time for a little bit and then doing other stuff and then when I build up another new skill set and then maybe you apply and then you apply it to other stuff you cannot just put your head into video production video production you will fail you will fail you will fail <laughs> you need to but because people will learn much newer technology, you cannot keep up. The technology is moving too fast. Okay, so if you're not Sometimes chasing technology... Sometimes you just have to... Okay, I need to pause a little bit. I go teaching. Use what you have learned and teach your kids, which mm-hmm. is enough. Okay. What you have learned from the industry yeah. is enough to teach your, to your kids. And on the side, you, you buy a new... 360 camera and learn how the behind works all that sort of stuff and then you use that but because that's new stuff that's currently trending and you learn that stuff because if you're constantly working on like video production video production you have no time to learn new stuff right and you need that time 
that buffers on to learn new stuff. When you say new stuff, because we did just talk about how technology is always evolving, and with all the stuff that you've done, you really just get like one job with a new technology. Mm. So that's not exactly the way to to find business, right? So what is it that like are you are you learning new skill or what what is it that okay? Last year I actually uh, learned a few new skills. Apart from the three sixty, which I was so passionate about back that time, yep. I thought I can get more interesting projects on three sixty. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what's going on. Just give me one second. Oh, so- sounds like Berman is getting lots of jobs. I'm s- yeah, I wish that was the case. <laughs> I'm just having this Android phone, which I don't know how to use, and I can't. Let me see if I can. Hi, re- Dean. <laughs> it's not Dean, but let me see if I could actually like mute. Uh, I can't figure out this thing. Just give me one second here. Okay, here we go. Mm. Sorry about that. Okay, looking back, I have actually invested a lot of gear that I end up didn't maybe only use it for a few times. So you never make the profit back? Never. You never break even? But I st- I'm still glad that I did those purchases. And let me tell you what are those purchases. What are those purchases? Okay. Um, okay, 360 cameras. They, I think they're good. I, I'm still using it for maybe some when I'm traveling. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not for the industry. So what I want to know. Okay. Okay. So you bought all these technology, 360 camera drones and everything. Mm. But it hasn't actually turned over in terms of profit. Mm. But yet you I have. Sometimes st- you need to invest. Why? If it's not turning a profit, okay. why do you need to invest? Okay, apart from the 360, I also invested a lot in live streaming related okay. gear. I bought those uh, HDMI, Thunderbolt to HDMI converters. I actually bought this um, broadcast system that is professionally for uh, doing Facebook Live and you can actually switch cameras, do live graphic switching and all that. I can basically run my own TV station. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but why? Okay, so you gotta tell okay. me why. I have to be honest, I did get some projects working for South China Morning Post during right. Facebook Live or like big events. Okay. But it turns out doing that kind of stuff, you can't do it all by one person. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a teamwork. You mean you can't run a single channel with one person? You actually need a whole <laughs> lot more gear, like a proper hardware. And then you suite. need people to run that stuff too. Yeah, I okay. ended up having Shun to work with me on, on projects. Right, Shun was actually one of my producers yeah, on my yeah, team. Yeah. So, I actually uh, researched all those about YouTube Live and Facebook Live just by re- re- watching different YouTube channels and taught myself how to do YouTube Live and Facebook Live. And I actually got some projects because I was thinking, okay, everyone is just using the iPhone to do Facebook Live. What if I do proper live with proper cameras and you can do uh, live graphic switching? And I, I figured all that out. I thought, wow, if I got this technique, companies will ask me to like Facebook Live. And have they? Have they? Self trying to post. Okay, that one time? Uh, actually, a few times. A few times. Okay, yeah, is yeah, it yeah. still going then? Is it still ongoing? Stop. It's <laughs> because now I have top shun. <laughs> You have Tashin, so, so he, he take, can do it himself. He can do it himself. Yeah, so yeah. never teach other people then, unless you're you're a teacher. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, like when when I was talking to you, I was watching your video and then I learned some new techniques from how from, your video looks. Right. And then I taught myself that skill, and then I don't need to find the person to do that stuff. You, need to, you don't need to freelance uh, outsource the, that anymore. Yeah. You do it yourself. 
That's how industry works. Right. So, do you think it, it helps in terms of your creativity and understanding? In April, I bought myself a Mavic Pro. Uh, before I got this drone, I only watched YouTube videos of how people fly the drone and right. all that. But actually, owning a drone and watching those videos again gives you a whole new perspective. Ah, okay. I'm I'm a big fan of watching. These days, I'm like always searching how to fly a drone properly, like all the movie techniques that you can fly with a drone. Yeah. If I don't buy that drone myself and just watch those videos, yeah, it doesn't connect. Of course, yeah. I have to own that drone, crash it myself, and watch that freaking video, and then oh, I shouldn't do that maneuver. <laughs> Should you be taking a course, like getting no, certified? Days, YouTube is your best school, but you don't need to get certified. Well, to fly a drone for business, I think you need because <laughs> I usually I just fly it for my own fun. Okay, of course, if you want to fly professionally, of course you should do a course or something. But at the moment, I'm just flying casually and just want to new learn a new technique. Right. Yeah. So in the beginning, I think you you mentioned it before, but I want to ask you, out of your whole career up until this point, mm. what is it that you love the most about what you do? I I'm. I really miss creating a video from start to finish, and at the end, the audience comes to me and say, "Wow, this story is really good." That's it. At the end of the day, I don't need a lot of views. I just need that audience come to me and say, "Wow, I really enjoy that story." So you just need if it's just one person just coming up to it. you, and that's all you. Yeah. That's all you need. I don't need. Wow, your video is so viral. Well, of course that that's fun too. But okay, if that person comes to you and say, "Hey, Thomas, I really enjoy that story. It's really touched my heart." Right. That's it. And that's it. Yeah. Okay. So for those, forget those technology. Forget the technology. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the touch story that touch people's heart. Okay. And with that, does that link to any advice you would provide to someone who's thinking about getting into the industry? But usually, making those videos, usually they're not. Like pay, they're usually like personal projects. Personal. <laughs> If you you, I don't think you make a corporate video and then your your client will come to you, Batman. This video really touched my heart. <laughs> okay, in that case, do you enjoy producing the videos that you do for work, or do you enjoy producing the videos for your own personal stuff? Just the videos that I'm creating now is too commercial. Too commercial. Too commercial. So you still need to like so that is I just work. I still prefer to pick a story about. This small business that's struggling, or have a human story behind right. it, and then, which is not something that you can always do every day at work. Yeah. So if that's the case, then do you see yourself? Do you divide yourself as, not divide, but do you see, the work that you do, mm. work, is work for money, and personal project as personal project. Um, yeah. At the moment, I, I have this separation, but usually when you finish working. In food, a、uh, whole day of work, you're smashed. You don't have the energy. I'm a little confused. You, are you recommending people to get into the industry, or are you recommending people who enjoy making video just make it for their own personal fun or enjoyment? Okay, because right、Some、now what it sounds like is to you, what it sounds like is what you do for your day job doesn't really matter to you. You could do anything for your day job as long as, you, as long as you have the opportunity to produce something for your own enjoyment. Actually, I haven't had the time to create my own stuff because okay, the current job that I'm doing 
it's really demanding. Okay. Because some jobs you can just leave at six, then you can do a lot of personal stuff. Right. So why don't you get a job where you can nine to nine to five or nine to six, yeah. whatever it is here. I find a job that's like that. I that's should. I should be looking that right now. Right now. So all you guys listening to this podcast right now, contact me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, contact you for what? To for to, projects or anything. <laughs> for anything. Okay, for those who are out there listening, looking for a great producer in Asia, look for Thomas Le. Yes. We'll have your. Uh, what's your company called? Cosmo. Cosmo. What's yeah. the website? It's a Facebook page called This Is Cosmo. This Is Cosmo. Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll see if we can put a link down below from this uh, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. He's a very passionate guy. And if you have a good story to tell, he'd be the one. Yeah. But if you just want to do just corporate work. Find Berman. <laughs> find the video twins, not the video cousin. I'll, I'll find uh, Rainy Media. Rainy Media. Video twins. <laughs> Berman Lamb. Yeah. Not Cosmo. <laughs> I'm trying to promote you here. <laughs> okay. Depends on the budget. Oh, depends on the budget. Okay. If, if you're in Hong Kong area, yeah. find Cosmo. If you're in like Canada or other places, uh, North America, Rainy, North America, look for Rainy Media, Rainy Media or, or the Video Twins. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Any last words that you want to give to like our, our listeners out there? Okay. Really feeling this at the moment. Um, for those of you that are working in the media industry, whether you're high up like creative director or executive producer, be kind to people working for you. That's very important. So you're talking to people who actually are, that have employees underneath them. Yeah. Be, 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 kind. be kind to them. Because be- there's no point being mean to them to do something that you urgently needs to be done. So ask politely. Yeah, <laughs> even though you really need that, be nice to them. Be nice to them. Yeah, because someday- that's a common problem of working in the media industry. People are so mean, <laughs> <laughs> especially in a really stressful like shooting situation. Mm-hmm. People like when you talk to the gaffer, they're just mean. <laughs> Maybe that's a Hong Kong thing. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. It's just okay. mean. So mean. So mean. Yeah. <laughs> Be kind to people. Be kind to people. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for for. You're by welcome. the way, you know yes. I, you know, uh, for those who don't know, I'm actually traveling in Asia. Yeah. You're in Hong Kong. Month. I'm in Hong Kong, but I'll probably be flying over over to Shanghai and also Bangkok. And Thomas has been kind enough to set me up for for my the podcasts, including this one that I'll be doing. So thank you very much. Yeah. This this podcast this is podcast is by like Cosmo sponsoring the the video re- twins recording equipment. Okay, well the setup and everything. So yeah. he's the technician as well for this thing. Yes. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure speaking you're with welcome. you. You're welcome. Again, <laughs> I I personally think you're one of the more talented people that I've ever worked with. Oh, thanks. Mate. Hopefully, you'll continue finding or you will find jobs that actually allow you to be creative because I think it's a big waste mm. if people do not. Use your creativity. Yeah, I need to find another job that I'm more hands-on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, thank you so much for being uh, on the podcast. I don't know if you listen to the previous ones, but every time we do it, Dean always tries to uh, say a joke. No, (laughs) introduce an interesting term from the field of uh, video and film. Oh, okay. Do you have a term that you've heard 
What kind of term? You mean English word? English or even I guess even Chinese for those who are listening from Hong Kong. Hmm. Okay, that's one. If you're blocking someone, they will ask. Is it body die? That means body. So in that, the can <laughs> that's Cantonese for. Did, did you, you grow it, up eating glass? Yes, because you're blocking someone's. You might be blocking the camera. Then we say, "Well, it's a body dagger. Are you transparent like glass? Oh, are you transparent? So, so did you, you grow up glass? eating glass? That's very mean. That's what I'm saying. Be nice to people. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, words to produce television by. Be nice. I think I think Thomas has got a point here. This industry seems to be filled with a lot of people. Who think they are doing incredibly important work, but they're not. They're, they're not saving lives. They're entertaining lives, but they're not saving them. And so I, I think Thomas is right that perhaps you know the people of the media industry could use a little, little check-in, little self-reflection, and maybe lose some of that self-importance crap that seems to be always bubbling at the surface. There, you know, when you're trying to get in, and or, or you're trying to find your way in the industry, and kind of. Navigate it around. There's a lot of protectionism. There's a lot of fear there that maybe if we teach people, if we mentor them, then they're going to take our jobs. And I, I don't think that's the case. I think that there, there's enough work out there for those that are good at it. You know, I didn't. I don't feel like I always got the help that I wanted when I was up and coming. But there are a few key people that really had an impact on me and really, really shared knowledge with me. And helped me get work, and helped me get ahead, and helped me get better at my craft. And you know what? To them, I'm forever indebted because they've given me, uh, you know, the tools that I needed to, to carve out a career in this in this industry. And I think you know we could just use a little bit more of that in the industry. That's all. That's all I think Thomas is saying. And you know what? You don't have to be a jerk. We're all working long hours on here. We're all tired. We're all hungry. Well, not hungry because there's always a craft service table, but we're always we're always tired. But anyways, I think we could all just be. A little nicer to each other, and that goes for me too. I can be a little strong. I can be a little straight. I can be a lot abrupt. I can be a little dictatorial. Well, on set. Uh, so yeah, maybe I have to be a little nicer as well. Anyways, a little update on Thomas's work situation. As he mentioned in his interview, he was working for Stack Media in Hong Kong, and, and they were doing tons of great online content, and they were really making a name for themselves. But then, just a couple of weeks ago, the company laid off most of their video production and IT staff, and unfortunately, Thomas was one of the ones let go. So there you go, just another crazy story in this crazy industry. And so that also means that he will be available for freelance work, and he's great. He's a great freelancer. He does great graphics work. If you're looking for somebody, so I'm going to put his contact info in the show notes below. Okay, that's it for this week's show. Actually, that's it for the season. Yes, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I've had a blast doing these interviews and reconnecting with some very talented people that I've had the privilege and pleasure of knowing and working with. And I hope you have enjoyed yourself too. And I hope you've found some value in their stories and what they've learned and what they've experienced. So we're in the middle of a super slam, September, October, but we are going to be back in about a month's time, beginning of October, around there, maybe a little after. And we're going to have some more amazing guests and more amazing insights on working in the media industry. So thank you very much, and we'll see you then.